Hello, everybody, uh, to our seventh episode of All Up Podcast. Today, I'm here with the head of innovation at the UCN, Annie. Hi, Annie. Hi, Andre. Nice to be here. Thank you for coming. And we'll start off with just a brief introduction. I'm pretty sure everybody knows you at this point. But uh, who are you and what you do? Yeah, it's such a nice question. It's ne nearly a philosophy question. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, um, on a more basic level, I'm uh, working with uh, cross-disciplinary with uh, entrepreneurship, creativity and innovation within UCN. So it's very different uh, knowledge domains. It's both health and technology and business and social science. So it's a really broad specter that I work with the both creativity, innovation, and entrepreneurship, uh, uh, um, yeah, and within all educations within UCN. So that's uh, 35 different education, and and all of them can actually be a part of this innovation house where we are located today for the podcast. So we want to uh, create an including environment here at UCN that can include all these different uh, students from all these different areas. Yes, and I must say, also started around here when I started my entrepreneurship journey through Next Step. I think we were, me and Camille were amongst the first ones to actually go into this building, you see innovation, so and experience all this nice setup that we have around here, the break uh, breakout rooms, the podcast lab, and 3D printing, whatever you need, you can come here and have it here. And you are a person that works with the entrepreneurship for quite a long time, right? Yes, uh, actually, I think I'm prefer to say I haven't been working with entrepreneurship so long, but I have been working with how to develop entrepreneurs. So I think that's the rephrasing is maybe important. So what I know about is how can you facilitate uh, students and uh, other people to learn about uh, their potential within entrepreneurship and creativity and innovation. So who is an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's such a good question. <laughs> I think it's broader than you normally would think because for me the most important, because it's within education and in an educational context, it's about how can you as a person create value for an end user. And the end user could be either a customer if it's a startup, but it could also be an intrapreneurship. So where you create value within existing organizations or in the public sector. So I think what... in my opinion is important to teach UCN students is how to create value uh, for whoever is the uh, user or a customer or um, yeah, it can be a broad uh, target group for the students that we're talking about and addressing within UCN. But the mindset, I think, what you learn of how you can create value and how you can create solutions to uh, hard uh, questions or challenges, that's the important part that you teach the students. Because whenever they then go with the startup idea and be a startup and be a company, or they go into an existing organization and create value, it's the same that we learn, and it can be valuable in both senses. And I think that's important. I, I cannot agree more. But I can also see that this whole space of entrepreneurship might be a bit scary for some people. So is entrepreneurship for everyone, or is it just for people that have certain qualities? I think the entrepreneurial mindset will be for everyone. But I think a lot of people think it, about it, like what you're talking about, it as that entrepreneurs is only making your own business and making a startup. And I think that part of it is not for everyone, that's for sure. But I think the entrepreneurial mindset, like the mindset that you are able to, when you are met with a um, wicked problem, wild problem, hard uh, problem to solve, 
that you don't get scared and you don't run away, but you think, okay, maybe I can find a solution. I can use my creative mindset to find a solution. If you can teach people that, I think you'll be valuable e- either if you go with your own startups or if you stay in an organization, public or private, and, and you can help people there. Because a lot of times in uh, real life don't, do like you've been taught in the books, like you've been reading about. Oftentimes it does not. And then you shouldn't be scared. You should learn how to deal with that and how to make uh, solutions to hard problems or wicked problems or wild problems or what you call them. Yeah, I can definitely say that the theory doesn't always match the practice in the real world. Almost never. Uh, but uh, you're working with a lot of students that are coming here and and then going their own way, like I was as well. And what would be the biggest challenge in taking someone that is totally green in the world of entrepreneurship and doesn't have an idea what to do? Let's say, as I was, uh, as I was, so you take a person from a technical background that just wants to build a nice website, and how do you actually pivot that person into realizing what is the what is actually the value? Who are the customers? What are the target groups? I didn't know what was target groups before. I was like, no. I people <laughs> who pay. <laughs> so how do you how do you structure such a person that has the passion but has no clue about what what actually what actually it means to realize that passion? Hmm. I th- I think there's uh, two things that you need to do. One thing is you need to force that person that could be you. You could be the case. <laughs> yeah, I could be the case. I'm yeah, fine you with could that. Be, <laughs> be the case when meeting you, like force you to do some actions. Because I think in the action part, where you go to test with the target group or the customers or ask somebody on feedback on your idea, I think that's the important part to make students go in and test their ideas, not thinking. And not just sitting and developing, especially from <laughs> your educational <Yes>. side, <laughs> like the technical part, they can be developing for a long time without going out and testing their ideas. So not forcing them, but pushing them and supporting them so they have the um, courage to go out and see if their idea is the right idea before they develop for too long sitting here in the house in a very secure environment. So I think one thing... One trick is to get push students to action, like help them, support them, but also push them to go into action with their ideas um, and see how it works in, in the life without the outside the educational borders. I think that's one part of it. And then I think there's another part that's more on a personal level that you they need to see their own potential uh, and in order to develop that potential. So for some <laughs> students, I think they don't, see what value they can actually create in the world they don't see the resources then you help to them to give feedback so they see what the resources are and the, the capabilities and the knowledge and the skills are so you help them especially if they're very self-critical you help them to see these potentials so they can go out and use them a few uh, students also have the opposite they think they have much more skills and potential <laughs> and resources than they actually have to be honest but then they also need feedback to have a realistic self um a picture of what are your skills and what what you need to develop. I think that this more personal part of it is also important. So one part to sum up is to get students push them to go out and test their idea if it it works uh, outside the educational institution. And the other part is to get them to see what are you as a person, what are your resources, 
what are your skills, what are your knowledge, because when you, once you see that, that's a really important part of you being able to uh, use your potential and use your resources. Yeah, I, th- I think it's well said because I, I was going through the same journey where I really, really wanted to build certain product and I thought that's the right way to go because it's in my mind, so it's <laughs> it should be the right way to go. But yeah, then you then you actually realize the wider environment you are in and how many people and resources you need in order to make it right. And that bridges me to another question, which is that let's say this per- this person or me uh, went out and tested the idea and now have some good understanding of maybe who pays and what are the, tas- the customer groups. And now we have a new challenge at hand. How do we take the person that have a some idea of what is the, the proof of concept and some minimal viable product and some customers of, of theirs, how do we take that person and make it into a business, which is now the legal implications, now the structural implications. How do how do we help the person to bridge that big gap of, hey, I have something, I want to sell it, to do it correctly and don't get any, any legal obligations or any financial obligations? How do you structure that? Because I, th- I think a lot of people will answer, then you need to... Uh, read more and learn more but i think again i think the answer is still going out there and asking customers do you want to pay for this product even if it's only a prototype you have of the product and it can't be both a product physically but it can also be immaterial it can also be a service or whatever it's not product as a as in something physically necessarily but i think still the answer is how do you know if a customer will pay you don't know before you try it so I will still push people to go and try it now with a prototype that you develop from your first test uh, and proof of concept and go out and, and uh, maybe show them just a prototype. How much will you pay for this? Will you be able, do you want to sign up for the next, pro- next product? So I think the, the brave ones and the one that have success is the one that's just testing all the time. And, and in that sense, they changed their direction many times during a startup period of time. So what they started with uh, originally is often not what they end up selling in yeah. the <laughs> when they have success. Uh, often, mostly, it's not at all the same thing because it have all these iterations going back in developing a new prototype, going out, testing with the customers, going back in the laboratory, talking to people, getting people. Also, sometimes you also need to put on the team. If you are a single person, you also need to put on a team. You need to recognize, okay, I need somebody that's good in marketing. I'm not good in marketing. I need somebody in on my team that's good in finance or whatever you lack in the team. I think it's also part of the journey can also be to build the team. And we try to support that. For example, with the startup dating that we have together with Auburn University, where I, a startup dating where you can go and pitch your company and you can look for the competencies that you don't have within your team. Because I think that's also part of it, that you, s- everybody uh, feels like an island, but they are not. They need more people around them to succeed because people with different skills often make a more successful startup. So I think that's also another part of of you recognizing what am I good at? What are my resources, like I talked about before? What am I good at as a person and what am I lacking? And if I am not able to develop that 
myself, who can I uh, get as a co-founder or as an intern or as a study job? Or, but I built the team up that are able to um, realize my uh, vision and my idea and my mission. So, so that could be another way of going around. But that's also, again, forcing them to do some actions like recognizing what is my team, what do I need to realize this idea, and then invite somebody in. Because somebody you sit and you, oh, I think I have to really uh, make nobody steal my idea. And oh I think yeah. that's that's <laughs> a failure. Just need go out, talk it about the idea, invite somebody on your team, realize you're, you're not able, capable of doing this on your own, but you need a team to realize the idea. And invite people and tell about the idea and get feedback. I think often than not, this will make an uh, easier or better way to success than sitting and just um, yeah, securing your own idea. I think that's a, a big failure for many. They think their idea is so great, but it's not valuable when it's only an idea. Yeah, I think many people think they might be unique in, the, in that idea as well. And then they actually try to protect it and shield it and don't tell anybody which I don't find to be a smart approach, as, as you are saying as well, because First of all, if you get the idea, there is a good chance that many other people had the idea before. You are not that special. Even if you have, I don't know how many IQ points, you are not that special, right? Uh, you are still just a small piece from the whole whole puzzle you need to build at the beginning. That's why I, when I was starting out, I was actually calling this project a, a puzzle for myself because every time I met someone that was either in the in the environment or either in the startup game, and I shared my idea with him. I must say they never stole the idea. In, in, and even if, okay, that's fine. It's it's a free-flowing idea. You might find it at some point anyways. But every time I was speaking with these people, I found another piece of the puzzle. You always feel like that you learn something new when you actually speak with the people that are in the environment, working on it themselves. And then also being vulnerable in sharing the idea and being vulnerable in understanding that, okay, this is this might not be the best idea best idea or best developed idea yet but i need to share it in order to actually get some feedback get some understanding from other people so i definitely agree with that point uh, that we as entrepreneurs need to be more also vulnerable with each other with sharing these ideas because then we can all learn so much about ourselves and also about the other person also help the other person so that's 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 very important as well but when you are talking about the subject and uh, talking about all these different angles that you need to do, uh, I can I can see that you were passionate about this. And then I must ask you, how did you came into this position and why did you choose to be that person that really empowers people and really enables them and makes them realize that it's actually possible? I think the journey I've always been on uh, as a person is always, no matter in which space or which context I were, I was always about uh, making people unfold their full potential because it's really um, giving me uh, a lot of joy in my work. I get a lot of joy from my work when I see people unfold their potential and find their passion and find their path because seeing them growing it's so satisfying and, and that really makes me happy growing as a person or growing as a business or having success and it can be on very different level depending on, on which person we're talking about for somebody it's a big uh, victory to go on the stage and pitch your ideas and for other is selling for your first million uh, kronos so it's very different goals 
depending on the person, but seeing them succeed in the way that's success for them and seeing them feel grow, personal growth, also growth, your business, I think that's really satisfying. And this is the journey I always was on, even though I wasn't in the context. I've only been now nine next year, ten years in the context of startups and entrepreneurship. Before it was always innovation, but it was with leaders, it was with students within social science, it was within developing organization. But I think the approach is the same. And that what's the... That's what people are surprised about because they think what I know about, I know a lot about finance, I don't. <laughs> I, know a lot of, I know a lot about digitalization, I don't, to be honest. But what I know about is how you develop people. And I think that's the shared at a common space is how can you develop people and how do you need to teach and learn uh, students. And I think that's the shared space. That's what I bring to the table and that's what I've always been pursuing. How can you help people to... Uh, get a growth mindset to develop the personal resources to see what they can and what they what they're capable of i think in that sense that's the shared thing or the goal i've always been chasing and then innovation as a concept of course so we already touched upon the point of how to develop the person and enable him or her but now how do we actually make cross-functional teams because i i can from my experience i can see that there is many people from different programs coming here, as you said as well. And they are s- kind of like in their own silos, you know, only in their own network and only thinking about their area of expertise. How do you make sure or how do you help them to also, let's say, if you have a person from health industry, how do you help them with uh, finding a tech person? Or how do you actually make them understand each other? Because, for example, I have to say, I had one experience without naming names here uh, trying to help it was uh, at that time it was four ladies from health and i could see that they understand their problem very well but as soon as they started talking about solution i was like this is this is not technically viable it's like this is this is not going to work and if you want it to work it's going to cost a lot of money <laughs> so how do you how do you ensure that these interactions are also not hurtful for example because i can i can s- see from my own experience that i needed to give that feedback but at the same time, sort of thinking, I'm breaking their heart right now. <laughs> so how do you how do you make sure that you know people meet and then also people match? Yeah, and and you're totally right. Not everything, and it's not function every time that people cross disciplinary work good together because it's actually a hard chance. Um, I think uh, the research by Susanne Eustace about uh, with, uh, diversity of knowledge domain, you know by research that a different noise domain in a team makes a much better innovative solution. But at the same time, and I think that's what you experienced, you don't talk the same language. So it's yes. in a, on a social level, it's quite challenging to be with people in from very different noise domain because we talk different languages, we have a different perspective, uh, we have, uh, of course, different knowledge. But uh, I think when we succeed, and we don't, do that every time to be honest but when we succeed in the next step you can have a program with not about 20 different educations in the same room that normally doesn't happen so we made the logistics that makes it possible with people with very different knowledge to be in the same program for 10 weeks 
So that's the first thing that you have to build around it, a structure where people with very different mindsets can be in the same space at the same time. Um, and and then you have to build an environment of peer-to-peer feedback being a, a thing. So how we do it in a next step program is very simple. So every Friday you have to tell about your startup, what you d- what work you did the last week and what you're going to do the next week. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes up and pitch that. And then the rest of the group has to give feedback. And in that feedback, you have the opportunity, if it's well-structured and you know how to give a good feedback that empowers and not... <laughs> discourage yeah. you not like not, not just saying like that shit you know no. <laughs> but being constructive <laughs> exactly so so i think that's also an important part but but and, and especially those fridays in the beginning you just tell about your idea in the end you pitch it actually but that feedback peer-to-peer feedback often they say they get as much from each other that they get from the teachers or the facilitators or the mentors so i think that to make create that space and that spot I think that's really important. And afterwards, sometimes it's also annoying and it's frustrating. But I think learning, real learning, transformative learning, learning that really uh, moves you, you cannot get that without sometimes it also being frustrating, like what you experience with the nurses. Yeah. It's just part of the journey because you're really on different tracks and levels in the, the area. You have so much knowledge about digitalization. They don't they don't have that at all, but they know a lot about health. So, so also to build... Uh, uh, inclusive environment uh, and to acknowledge the differences I think that's also part of how you can do it in, 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 and I think you don't build it on one day it's day after day getting people to talk together and sitting in the same environment and then the magic happens that people get to know, help each other with the very different knowledge domains and you meet people you will never meet otherwise because if you just stayed in your own uh, education and with the other technical guys you will still be only talking tech yeah I, I, exactly and i and i really like the aspect when you're talking about this cross functional feedback giving because i think it really boosts the also the knowledge and the understanding of anybody sitting there because sometimes you get a question where you really need to stop and think like, I have never thought about this, <laughs> right? And and that's really eye-opening and really helpful. But as you said, at some point, it also might be a struggle. It also might be uh, hurting someone else's ego, right? And that way, I also want to bridge into the struggling part of being entrepreneur and being a startup. And then again, I'm going to anchor back to my experiences. And when I was just starting or at the beginning of this phase i really really enjoyed the idea i was working on i was really putting some hours and it was it was a really really nice journey but it also opened my eye to one aspect of entrepreneurship that i think it's not being talked about as much which is the mental health part it's like so the question is how do you make sure that you don't burn out and when you burn out what do you do as an entrepreneur and how and from your position how do you also help the entrepreneurs to understand that if you put 80 hours right now and you do it for three months, you might burn out and you might not be the same person after that burnout right now. So, you know, maybe take it more sustainably, add more one more person or understand how to delegate and, you know, give the uh, put those hours in, in a different way. Uh, but uh, don't burn out yourself because... You, you're not going to succeed if you if you are in this position of burning out and coming back, burning out and coming back. So how do you address that? Um, I think there's uh, different things. One thing is that to acknowledge it and tell the, the students that part of the journey is 
like a roller coaster. You get more when you're up, you're more up, and when you're down, you're more down than yeah. if you take a normal job. So it's a roller coaster ride, just to make your um, expectations clearly about that. So going into the startup environment, it's more ups, are more ups, and downs are more downs. So just that it's not you that is failing. It's just the way it is to go within the startup journey. I think that helps you to acknowledge, okay, it's not me, I'm not doing wrong. It's just a part of how it is. And you get more frustrations also, like what you talked about, that to make it more like, um, that's okay. It's just the way it is because you're learning very fast and learning very forward and getting, uh, stepping up and you're going maybe to uh, the level where you're very challenged in how to develop this on, on the, the next part of that. This gave me an idea that sometimes the entrepreneurship is like, running in the tunnel but you cannot see what is in front of you yes and when you start sprinting it's a good uh, I- there is a good chance you hit the wall <laughs> right <laughs> so it's, it's just the way it is and i think uh, uh, talking about the defense mechanism talking about the frustration and the anxiety that is also part of the journey because when you look outside it looks like it's just ah it's success it's celebration but the other part is much bigger and much more often and more more on a daily level so so to make to make people embrace that or understand that, then you don't feel that you are so wrong. It's just a part of the journey. It's the way it is for everybody else as well. So, so and, and when you can address it, it helps you to ma- take down the frustration level. When you can address it and when you are, you can also talk about that par- part. And I think that's actually the trick what you're doing with fuck up nights. You're yeah. talking about the frustration parts, the parts where you didn't perform, the parts where you didn't have success. So I think talking about that part and and that's equally as important as talking about all the success and and so do you know what i mean to make an environment where you also can talk about oh i really had a hard time the customers didn't like the product i presented to them they didn't want to pay what i suggested or whatever and that you are capable of unable and it's it's okay to tell things like that i think it's so important to make that a kind of secure environment where you can also talk about the hard part and the frustrating part. And I think that helps also the stress level to go down. Okay, it's not me that's wrong. She's struggling with the same pains and, and so is he and that's okay. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, as you said, with the fuck up nights now being renamed to Beast Blunders, I, I think what we are trying to do is to understand that there is a hidden foundation to success and that hidden success is of course in a lot of work and also a lot of hours to put to put in and understand what market needs. Sometimes it, it's a good networking as well. So, but in many times is actually the fails and the uh, the learnings you get from the fails. And what we are trying to do with these blunders is to shine light on the understanding that. When you fail, it's just the first step to kind of like enlightenment. And I'm saying it in very abstract terms, but I think when people fail and they have enough control over their ego to also recognize that it was their mistake, that's the first step to actually being a better person, not better person, but better entrepreneur and a better at that certain problem, right? So I think... Right now, when you, when I when I when I just look at the world and I have when I have to say it that way, I think it, it's very cozy to be in the Europe right now or in the Western countries as well. It's it's very nice and uh, you have your quote unquote caves where you can just go in and hide anytime. 
and there's a lot of cozy jobs going around. And people usually, also when I look around, just purely at Kickstarter Alborg, there are people who don't want to take a risk. They they feel like that taking a risk is equal to punishment sometimes even. And I'm like, yeah, that's 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 not how it is. That you know, you need to take a risk in order to actually grow. And I think it's very very important to spread this word around in order for to create more entrepreneurs and more startups as well but also to encourage those that are having a startup or are being entrepreneurs that when they fail or when they fail horribly they should just take a step back breathe a bit uh, you know a breathing exercise is a great thing to calm down and then access the situation and try to be smart about it and then try to figure out how to tell that story in a fun way and then you can can come to biz blunders as well <laughs> Exactly, yeah. yeah. You're so totally right. And don't be scared about the mistakes because it's learning potential for the future. Uh, of course, you have to like you have to complain and be angry and be sorry and all of that. But you also have to go through it and then see, okay, what did I learn and how can I take that on my future journey? Because I think the way of persi- being persistent, I ask a really successful entrepreneur what the most important skill is and personal skill he had and he said to me yeah but it's it's that i i keep going and i keep going and keep learning but i keep going yes so. yes and I, I i can relate to those to my like own personal planning if i have to say that way which is now being highly aligned <laughs> with also the business activities but um when i plan i i do plan for a longer period right but as soon as i stop planning i do i almost like do not touch those things for a long time and then focus only on how my day looks like and ensuring that they that that one day can be reproducible because that's the foundation for the success because when you think about an issue or a goal or problem it's always consisted or consisting of like a small bricks and when it's when it's a problem you need to make sure that you are tearing down those bricks one day at one at a time and making sure that you know the whole problem doesn't fall upon you as well and then when it's with the building, it's the other way around. You need to make sure that every day you have that one brick and you put it in the foundation on your house. And you need to make sure that that building happens every day because at some point, if you don't do it, it's like a habit. You lose it, right? So that's that's why that's why I definitely agree with what you're saying. It's a, I, w- I would say it's a discipline to be there at almost every day in a stable environment, in a stable setting, doing the same thing and following your goals. Yeah, being persistent. Exactly. That's how you also succeed with what you're doing now with the kickstart. It's not it's not doing it one time. It's doing it over and over again and be persistent and being uh, like following your goal and trying out on different ways and succeeding with some of them and some of them d- don't succeed. But then, then don't keep on going on the things that don't succeed because you just want to listen to what uh, feedback you get on yeah. on from the customers from the target groups from the external people and that makes you better startup or entrepreneur what you're doing within the kickstart is entrepreneurship but i think it's the same skills that you need uh, and we need to be more honest about that within the sta- startup environment so you don't think it's just me failing no it's just part of the journey and i think the most successful entrepreneurs that we made if you look on the money, because I think success can be many things. It can also be s- sustainable goals that you are talking about. But if you look into money, all of them are characterized by they, 
when they did a fail or something, they didn't succeed, they listen to the feedback and then they change the direction according to that when they get their breath back. Because, of course, it can take a week or a few days yeah. <laughs> before you're on your feet again. That's okay. I think that's just hu- human. But to talk about that aspect of being an entrepreneur, I think that's important that we um, are not close to that, that more psychology, uh, psychological uh, well-being also is part of it. It's not only your knowledge domains and your skills in that sense. It's also who are you as a person. And I think it's important to acknowledge and see that when people come here and, I, and then they feel that and, and they feel included no matter uh, wh- what person they what they are bringing to the table i think the inclusion part is very important for me because it's entrepreneurs don't come in one size and one shape or with one direction they are so very very different as as people are very different and uh, and i think to to include that is very an ambition of mine so you feel included when you come once you come here and you feel you can pursue your dreams and your goals and also you as a woman you actually are, I would have to say this way, like a minority in the startup ecosystem, right? Uh, um, shining beacon, if I have to say it, for more ladies to join. And that's also, also one of the issues we had at the last startup week, and we didn't have that many ladies. And then uh, I have a, probably an uh, expert in the city sitting here about how to attract uh, ladies into entrepreneurship. And my question to you is that, what is what is the challenge? Why why do ladies feel like that this space is not for them? Yeah, I I cannot answer for everybody, but what I see speaking to the we have actually here in the UCN Next Step and in the Innovation House a majority of women. So we could ask, what are we doing in the environment? I think it's very closely related to what we just talked about, like also making space of the space for the relation and making space for the insecurity. Sometimes when you look at, and sorry, Andre, but on the tech startups, they don't talk about feelings and they no. don't want to talk about feelings <laughs> and it's not important. They might talk about how to program a certain system or what are you using or no, arguing. Feeling, feelings are not deterministic. No, 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 no. But to make also a space for that, not yes. all the time. It's not feely, feely, that's not what I'm talking about, but ins- you're t- making space for also talking about your insecurities and where you don't pef- perform. I think women are more self-critical than the male students oh in yeah. general. I know this is generalizing, and of course there's more bi- difference between individuals, but in general, the, the female I see here are more critical uh, compared to the big potential they actually have. So to help them, what we talked about before, so to help them to see their potential and what they actually are capable of. I think that's my and uh, my um, fellow um, teachers and the facilitators within Next Step. That's the really um, important part of why we also attract women. Because when once they see that, they just keep going. So they are just as... Um, you know, empowered and uh, capable of pursuing the startup career. But on the starting point, they're more critical. I think more of the male startups need to see also what they're lacking. They're more like empowered to begin with. Or uh, I don't know if they are, but they're talking about it like that. So to allow people to talk about what's hard and the insecurities and support them in being empowered and giving them feedback, I think that's an important part of also attracting a female. And then there's the role model part. Like, there are half of the staff within the next step is female, or maybe even more. So I think that the role models are also female. That's, I think, it's important. Yeah, it's also, as you're saying, it's very important to get the role model to show the possible students that might join that 
the staff and the program you are joining is also representing the values you are trying to preach, right? So it's also very important to do that. Uh, I think we also just uh, have a bunch of more ladies and it kicks our elbow right now, so it's also more inclusive in that regard. But I also had this thought that you are almost setting them free, more free when they when they join this uh, next step in entrepreneurship because I think they they start to understand that many people will stop looking at them as a person and start more actually validating or valuing what they are creating. So it takes the pressure away from them because, again, I'm generalizing here, but I have the sense that many ladies and many women are from the from the young age, they are told that they, you know, they need to look a certain way, they need to behave a certain way, they have a certain standard they need to uphold. But as soon as they get into the entrepreneurship space, they I think it's important for them to understand that all of a sudden people will stop really like not caring, but will stop judging them based on how they look and start judging them based on what they do. Right. Exciting. So it's almost yeah. like and I feel like many times that these that women actually are, you know, associating themselves also with the product. So they are also creating that kind of stress upon themselves through this product. But I think it's very important to like distinguish yourself from what you do and who you are hmm. and i think that's that's very helpful thought uh, when you want to go in and have these kinds of ideas uh, and these kinds of roles in your mind i would say so to underline i want to empower everybody er every gender and every personality but i think it's just different what they need to be empowered and i think that's the point of it that you need these small uh, differences in the way you empower people it's very different what they need and to uh, spot that and look at that and facilitate them in the way that takes them to the next level on their uh, learning journey i think that's the important part of what you do no matter how uh, which students you get and from which education you get and i think that's the shared space that you need to do and you need to learn how to do that and then you can help people uh, because for some the success might be that they will follow their startup and there will be developing that and being successful in that but for some others it's also that you get uh, acknowledged that it's not for me and that's also okay and I think that's the difference about the entrepreneurial environment that we make within education and the one you get go out to afterwards is that here you can make it for yourself to see if it's something for you to be a startup you don't have to decide to begin with if it's something for you you just have to test it out test the, the the part out and i think that space of testing if it's something for you a lot of the female startups they don't didn't look at themselves as a, a startup or an entrepreneur to begin with and uh, so so they're getting into character and finding out if it's and and to make that space hold the space for you experimenting to see if it's something for you also i think that attracts more people that if you just definitely need that to be clear about that i'm an entrepreneur and i'm going to follow that journey forever to begin with so so again it's something about allowing the insecurity and allowing uh, the journey being part of a learning journey and not being so <laughs> uh, precise of what you want and what yes. you want to pursue and be so uh, goal oriented i think that's the word i'm looking for and i see the difference about individual again it's it's bigger than the difference about sex but if you look at the female and the male more male are more goal oriented to begin with more uh, things oriented and people and uh, ladies are more uh, people oriented right so yeah. then it also transmits into how they yeah um 
So we need it. Sorry, but the timing. <laughs> we need to finish. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's why I have a last topic. And yes. That's that's the question of Alborg as an environment for startups. What do you think that the city or uh, the institutions and organizations in the city are doing good, and what could be better in your eyes? Uh, in uh, my opinion, I think what we're doing good, not only in Alborg, but in the whole of northern Denmark is a really closely connected ecosystem. So I'll know everybody from within the business offices in the whole region. I'll know everybody from the university who is working on entrepreneurship. I know the ones at youth education within the region who is working on entrepreneurship. So that makes us able and capable of working, co-working together on shared events to help the students better when they come from youth education and when they go on maybe from here, from UCN to Albert University, because we know each other and we know what we are bringing to the table and we can, when they finish here at UCN, we can refer them to the different persons sitting in the business offices and the business offices are also part of uh, the entrepreneurial um, environment we have at UCN. So in that sense, it's a really closely connected ecosystem and we can much easier and much faster like help the uh, startups moving around in the ecosystem. And I think that's really a very, very good part of being part of the entrepreneurial environment in northern part of Denmark. And the one part that when I meet with um, entrepreneurs uh, or uh, educators from uh, different areas of Denmark, they're really surprised of how closely connected the ecosystem we have, period. I think the p- other part is also to uh, make the... Uh, to make the um, perspective on us as an entrepreneurial environment uh, from the rest of Denmark. So they actually see the big potential that we have up here. And also from investors looking in the direction of northern Denmark. I think it's harder if you are a talented startup here in the northern part of Denmark to attract uh, the investments that uh, if you're from Copenhagen, to be honest. And I don't think that's fair. When we have such uh, skillful and talented startups, they also need to have uh, the the opportunities. So that's where we need to work on that of of them to get the small scale investment and the bigger investment so they can continue growing uh, the businesses. So I think that's what we need to work on. So and uh, and in order to work on that we need to get the rest of Denmark to also acknowledge and see all the big potential startups we have here. And I think some successful stories that we ha- now have of startups are helping that started here in northern Denmark and maybe in even in Aalborg we have some really highly skilled startups and successful also in the area of uh, money. So so I think that helps, like the good storytelling, but we also need to work more on, on the um, yeah the publicity and telling the good stories. All of yes. us need to tell the good stories. Yes, the visibility is a huge important part as well. And as you said, it's, it doesn't feel fair that all the money end up in Copenhagen, but I can also s- I can also take a perspective of person or investor in Copenhagen and think that it's safer for them to invest in someone that is a close proximity. And I can I can see that being an argument and I can see that having a lot of sense. But at the same time, I think that's very close-minded at the same time and very controlling at the same time because you can end up with the same level of accountability with a startup that is not from, you know, five kilometers away from you, but someone that is in the same country and, you know, a few, hun- a few hundred kilometers away from you. So it's, it's really about working on it as well. And... The last question before we have to run is if you are someone that is either building a startup or want to start a startup, what would be your advice to them? 
Oh, that's a good question. I think wherever you are in this ecosystem that I talked about, reach out and get some help. There are so much help to get from wherever you're from. So figure out where can you get some help. Are you a student at UCN? Go to us. Are you a student at AAU? Go to the AAU incubator. Are you uh, a startup that's just uh, finished your studies or don't study? Then go to the local business offices. I think in Denmark we have a really big... If you know where to go, also is an uh, international student, go to the international house. So wherever you are in uh, your environment, there will be people that you can reach out to and even for free to get help. Mostly to for free. <laughs> mostly for free. No, most of those that I mentioned are for free, actually. Yeah, you Within youth education, they also have really nice in- incubators there for helping the students uh, or the pupils there to the next level. So there are so many places where you can go and get help with growing your startup and growing your idea and testing your idea. So I think reach out to all the help that are actually available. Yeah, make make sure that you get connected and then get all the help that is provided to you. Yes. And with that, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. More than welcome and thank you for all the intelligent questions that challenges me. So... I have more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk uh, at the Christmas dinner or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully to, <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, yeah. to see, your, uh, see each other again. And uh, thank you everybody for listening and bye-bye. Bye.